one time at game. They called me Mold. Black Mold. I was a superhero. After traveling to Lexington, Kentucky for the gaming convention Lexicon, I had met up with some old friends and joined a game of the tabletop RPG Masks. Masks is published by Magpie Games, and it was nominated for an Ennie back in 2017. In Masks, you play teenager superheroes in a city that's had four generations of superheroes protecting it. It makes your character nothing particularly special. See, it's about dealing with the things teenagers deal with while also struggling to live up to the legends who had come before you. I played the archetype Transformed. When my character became a superhero, he was covered in fungus and became a heroic monster known as Black Mold. My best friend Rob was sitting beside me and he played the archetype of Delinquent. He was Johnny Red and he was as skilled at getting into trouble as he was at saving the day. And this game was run by an old friend from back when I grew up in the region in Northwest Indiana, Chris Pastelnik. He was running four or five games of masks over the weekend of the convention and I was playing in his third game. There were three other people at the table that we'd never met before, and it was a table of players who were in all stages of experience and skill, and Chris handled them all like a master. It might surprise you, but I've played very few tabletop games at conventions, and watching it all play out, I realized they're quite different than a normal Friday night game session at your house. They have unique challenges, and I decided right there, I wanted to know more about how con games work. All right, let's roll for initiative. Welcome to On a Roll, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you. We just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game. Because the only way to win at a role-play game is, is to, to have, have fun. fun. Wow, it's so lonely when it's just the two of no, us. No, we should go find someone else then. All right, I found someone. Oh! Hi, Chris. Hello, how are you doing tonight? We're good. <laughs> so... I am Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is the legend, Carrie. Hi! And uh, Jason, the favorite, is not here. He is actually working because... Work! Because that's all he does this time of year. Yeah. Uh, And so that's okay because it gives us an opportunity to have our very first guest on the show. Yay! So joining us... (laughs) I'm the substitute. I'm uh, Chris Pastelnik. I'm the Polak. Is it racist when you say that? No, not at all. Is that because you are Polish? I'm I'm so Polish. <laughs> he just came out swinging. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> now I want now I want pierogi. <laughs> okay, that's racist. No, it's not. Pierogi are the best food ever. Yes, they are the best food ever. <gasps> no poxy. The my, little, or the my, little like gel filled donuts. Yeah, yeah. My my grandma's church growing up was a uh, was a Slovak. Uh, they were all Slovak, which I'm not. Is that next next to Poland or was? Uh, it used to be <laughs> before like it broke into like 37 separate smaller countries. Yeah, before the takeover. Before the takeover. <laughs> so Chris is uh, is an old friend. I've actually known Chris. Um, for probably almost 20 years, I think. That's a long time. Jesus. I am so old. Uh, But Chris is joining us tonight because Chris actually is doing some projects that are very cool, and one of them happens to be very timely for uh, our topic tonight. I guess we should start by just checking in and seeing uh, when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were all hanging out recording a podcast. But what have you been doing for the last week, Carrie? 
I feel like for the past week, I've only been doing convention stuff. <laughs> That's we, it. Nothing else. We went to Lexicon, and while we were there, uh, we actually hung out with Chris and some other friends, and we played uh, a, a couple of great board games and some role-playing games, and Chris ran a game for us, which is uh, what brings him to join us here tonight. I didn't really get to do much um, role-playing at the convention because I had to stay at my table, but I do have a very interesting, uh, fun convention uh, table story. Yeah. <laughs> the vendors across the hall from me, or a hall, uh, across the way from me, they were, they were selling dice. The gentleman decided to critique my D20 painting <laughs> right after someone bought a print of it. Okay, so everyone at home knows you have a painting you've done that is of a D20. Yes. And so somebody bought one, is what so, you said. Yeah, someone bought the print, and then he proceeded to yell across the way to my booth to tell me that I had painted the wrong kind of dice, because apparently there are different dice. I'm not that big of a nerd to know the difference, but there are... Uh, Dice that you use in magic for counting your life. They're called spin down counters. Okay. Spin down dice. Spin down dice versus normal dice, <laughs> I guess. Not that a D20 is really a normal die. Like, like you know, it's like it's a gaming die. No, you don't use a D20 for anything but role playing. Or so, keeping or keeping or keep, score in magic. Apparently. But in all he did was throwing it. In vendors across the way. Yeah, I almost did. Because <laughs> he actually critiqued me, told me, next time I see you, you better have a D20 that's correct. <laughs> yeah. And then proceeded to give me one of his D20 dice. A defective. A defective one. <laughs> it was misshapen. And he was like, you can use this for a reference. And I actually had to stop myself from being really, really Chicago on him. <laughs> It was not good. No, really region on him. Yeah, it was mm, <laughs> so not good. I got to play test the gun belt while we were there. Yeah, so I know. That was really fun. But I had kind of a, a scary sort of thing with it. The three people who played had never played a role-playing game before ever. Um, and Chris had the same thing during one of his runs of Mask, right? Yes, I, I encountered a... Uh, gentleman who brought his girlfriend to the table and it was cool because he played with me earlier in the day and he he liked the system and he said this is what i want her to play this is her first role-playing game ever and i think you're the person that should introduce her to role-playing games and (laughs) because that's not pressure you know you're like oh cool you know but you're simultaneously going, oh my gosh, I could completely ruin it for this person. Right? I kind of felt like it's like not only do I have the pressure to like run a game that is fun, but then I also have the pressure that like this is a game I created, so I have to hope that my creation was fun. And then on top of that, I have to worry that if if they don't have fun, I've completely obliterated the hobby for them for all time. <laughs> oh, oh, and also you have to understand the third since it was uh, his girlfriend – um, I could eventually lead to their breakup because she's going, I don't know why you keep playing that nerdy crap. <laughs> right? It's like Friday night's the only night they spend together. <laughs> if she doesn't like this, we're going right back to backgammon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of what we've been up to. Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what, what you do before we get into to combat rounds? 
what I've been doing recently in the uh, role-playing world is I'm currently working, it hasn't been posted yet, on the Corpses and Curios uh, actual play podcast. We're doing a GURPS horror, because nobody really does Steve Jackson GURPS right now, and it's a great system that's not getting enough exposure. If you do a search for, like, actual play podcast, it's all, like, Pathfinder and D&D. You know, people do people do both kinds of playing at this con. Dungeons and Dragons. You know, right. it's, it's oversaturated with dungeon crawlers, and I'm just trying to put something out there um, different. And uh, that's, you know, what I'm working on behind the scenes. And then, you know, I'm uh, proud to announce that I'll be GMing for Masks, a new generation, the uh, Magpie games uh role-playing system that i enjoy running so much uh i've been accepted to be one of their gms at gen con that's cool that's very cool yeah it is how many games does that mean you'll have to run over those four days i have signed up to run five okay (laughs) i thought you were gonna say 50 (laughs) but that's sleep and uh, drink alcohol at some point right well now are those two hour three hour sessions what's the block like um i'm aiming at three hour sessions um i use the experience from this con to kind of like streamline my approach to uh how i was planning to run things well all right then i guess we might as well get right into it then our topic this week is con jobs the art of running games at conventions (laughs) so okay so i have to admit when ryan sent me the show notes i read it and i i accidentally skimmed all of the notes and one of the notes that he wrote led me to believe that con was like as in like tricking somebody and i got really confused because i thought it was supposed to be a convention show (laughs) and so it took me like five minutes of going through the entire note to figure out what he was doing and then i was like oh i need to wake up (laughs) you're the worst geek ever i am i'm terrible (laughs) i'm like what do you mean there's other kind of dice (laughs) (laughs) it's a spin down Shut up! It's got 20 sides. So, all right, let's go ahead and uh, let's go to combat rounds. Okay, so we are talking about con jobs. So, why don't we go ahead and just start very simply? What do we mean by a con game? (laughs) (laughs) There are. Three card Monty. Right. <laughs> yes. So a convention game is basically uh, uh, any type of role playing game that's run at a convention. They can be LARPs. They can be tabletops. It just kind of depends on where where you're at. Um, and uh, there's a lot of different different types of them. And so I guess my first question for you, Chris, is why the hell would you want to run one? <laughs> tell you why and this is the reason why anybody else should want to run one is i'm passionate about the system and you're passionate about the game if if you don't have those two things in place you should not be at a con trying to run a game (laughs) (laughs) i mean is that mean to say no i think that's fair so is masks a new game um it's been around and I've been playing it for maybe about a year and a half to two years, so it's fairly new. But the system that it runs on is the Powered by the Apocalypse system. Um, Mr. Vincent Baker developed it, and it was used in the systems for Apocalypse World, uh, Monster Hearts, and uh, Urban Shadows are just a couple games that it's uh, the system is uh, designed around. It's a pretty uh, flexible system. 
that's more geared to storytelling, role playing, and world building than actually, you know, roll dice, kill, loot, repeat. That some other systems tend to fall into it from time to time. Right. Do they do the the? They don't do like an organized play. So these are all just one shots that you do. Um. Right now, yeah, I'm, I do one shots, but you know, uh, tabletop. I I run. Uh, uh, for a while, we were running bi-weekly with a group of uh, friends that went quite some time. So, w- were you sponsored to do this? Like, like does Mag like when you ran it at Lexicon? Does does Magpie like throw swag at you for it? Or uh, I I did it to get my name out there because I was not really on Magpie's radar, and I used it as an opportunity. And you know, take notes, people trying to do this. Uh, I used it as an opportunity over Twitter and a couple things to promote myself. And it was like, hey, if you had a good, you know, if you enjoyed the session, if you had a good game, tag me on Twitter, tag Magpie Games, uh, tell them you thought I did a good job or, you know, go on Facebook, uh, say that, you know, you enjoyed playing with me, uh, that kind of thing. And it kind of got me out there. And I hope and I think it's one of the things that actually got me in the door so at big conventions like gen con they don't let just anyone run their official games <laughs> I, I don't think so I, i'd like to think that uh you know i earned it on merit and not dumb luck <laughs> <laughs> they're like quick we need someone to run this <laughs> hey let's get the 40 you know 40 something year old Pollock in kentucky to run this. yeah <laughs> well there are i know that Anyone can run any game they want at Gen Con. So, like, if if I was just a guy who wanted to run a game of Masks at Gen Con, I could sign up and run it. But then there are other sessions of it that are actually sort of uh, not sponsored, but they're, like, condoned or they're blessing. Magpie's, you know, the company that prints it gives their blessing to these sessions. And, and so that's what that's what you're doing at, at Gen Con. No, I'm proud to say that I, I've been accepted by quote unquote Team Magpie. So, <laughs> Just imagine them. One of us. Do you get one like a, of us? Do you get a badge? Is there a card or something that goes in your wallet? Uh, I'm supposed to be getting a uh, DM equipment in the mail, so I'm, I'm hoping it's some like hot swag. Do we know what that means? We don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, but you know what? I will, if you have me back, I'd be glad to share it with I you. I would love to have you back so that we can all discuss at length your equipment. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm always proud to talk about my equipment. Okay. <laughs> this, I, wow, I never thought that this podcast would be like more immature without Jason. <laughs> so you ran adventures that you wrote at yes, Lexicon? Um, and, and this is, this is, you know, the way that I felt about it was, um, it's, it's the story or the campaign or the adventure that I ran that people seem to have the most fun with. So I streamlined it. I narrowed it down and said, okay, you know, if, uh, a younger group, you know, maybe some kids try the game, you know, in their early teens, you know, 12, 13, 14, because it can be ran for that age group or adults that everybody would have fun with it across the board. Um, you know, you ran without giving too much away. You jumped into the story. It kind of had a little funny at animal pun kind of thing going on with it, but it also <laughs> had decision-making at the end because it fell into a moral gray area right? in regards to what would occur after the villain was captured. So let's talk a little bit, if you don't care about like how you came up with the adventure that you ran, because there's 
uh, a lot of, of constraints that go into a con game, right? I mean, like not the least of which is the fact that you need to be done in three hours. Yeah, um, I, I'm scheduled four hours okay. because with uh, masks and uh, powered by the apocalypse, um, and you experienced it as well. Character creation t- uh, involves tying the whole superhero team together. There's a line of questioning involved that brings everybody to get together and connects a backstory that sets up an interpersonal role play among everybody that I don't think you get with a lot of other systems. Yeah, I think uh, the power by the apocalypse, and I think the, the other system that does it is the um, is fate. The fate system has Which, a, is that Dresden? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, the fate system has kind of a, a, a similar sort of thing. Whereas you're making characters, you're tying them together. And so, how do you make sure that that your adventure has like the right amount of encounters and things to, to you know because you you want the characters to do something. And you've got to have a beginning and a middle and an end because that's just basic story structure. How do, you, how do you pare that down to to make sure that you can be in and out in, in the four hours that you have? Well, uh, what I, what I, I kind of came up with like three quick bullet points, maybe four. Uh, and before you run at a con, this is what I've discovered, is you got to ask yourself, is it a one shot? Um, are you doing pre-gens? Do you need to set some time aside for character creation or is everybody just going to, you know, grab a character sheet they like and jump in? Um, that's pretty important because it can range and cut into your time if you're worried about character creation or pre-gen. Right. Um, another thing is I play tested the hell out of that game, that scenario, at least seven times before I ran it at the con. Right. I knew... Um, some directions that people had gone, some directions that people surprised me. So I wasn't caught too off guard with what people did because I had ran it enough to know what directions people may or may not go in. And I was still surprised. And you still got to be able to think on your feet a bit. And you have to also consider who you're running for. Um, Remember that most of the people who are sitting down across from you are falling into two categories. You have those people who love and are passionate and have been invested in the system and playing for an incredibly long time. And you're also going to get the new players who've, you know, like I said, never played a role play game or have never tried that system and they want to try something new. You know, they're bored. They're looking around and you need to have dynamics involved in that to appeal to both sides because they're both potentially going to be sitting down at the table with you. So you need to be prepared to explain the basics and introduce people to them without losing the attention or the involvement of those who've been there before and done that. So the very first scene shouldn't be a complex combat. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. So you basically you end up with three play, three types of players then the new the new to role playing, new to the system, or or people who have played it before and and are playing it because they love it. Right, right. And I kind of ran into that because, like, people who played the first session and second session came back for, like, the second session and the third session. So I still (laughs) had to change things up. Like, I ran, I completely dropped the first scenario and ran another one from memory uh, based on, like, four players from a previous game coming back and sitting down wanting to try new archetypes. So I ran a game that, like, I was not prepared to run, but I just kind of 
did it off the top of my head, remembering uh, a follow-up adventure that I had done. <laughs> so when you play, when you play tested this with your, you said you play tested this like seven times. Did you do yes. that with? Was that the same group, or were you constantly grabbing um, different people? Um, I, I hooked up with people on uh, Twitter and Discord and a bunch of uh, message boards, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm preparing an adventure to run for a con." It's a one shot. Is there anybody who'd like to be introduced to the masks uh, system or powered by the apocalypse system? Or is there anybody who uh, has ran it and would like to play test and give me feedback? And I just kind of like, you know, put it out there in the Internet world and got some positive feedback. I got some replies and I just ran it for people when I had some uh, downtime. So what would you say is the um, the it's interesting because most of us don't run the exact same game over and over and over again. So outside of the ins and outs and the, the merits and flaws of the adventure you were running, was there something that really surprised you about doing something over and over again that maybe you didn't expect? It was always new and fresh because you have different players doing different things and you still find yourself as a GM having to fill in stories to fill in backlines because you know the same clue or the same hint you throw to one group they're not gonna bite on it and run with it in the same direction every time so you you still have to be ready and you still have to have your game face on right Right. (laughs) so when you prepare to run a con game uh and you're you're getting ready to to head to the con um, what are the what are the things you have to do to prepare for that? Like, obviously, there's some supplies. You know, is there is there like a supply that maybe you were you didn't think of? Like, I know when I ran when I ran my play test, right? I brought, <laughs> I sat down at the <laughs> table. I had the folks there, and I pull out. I had folders and folders of character sheets and notes about the adventure I was going to run and all this stuff. And uh, and then someone said, someone said, "Awesome, do you have a pencil?" Not to to toot my own horn, but I think I showed up pretty pretty damn well prepared for uh, what was going on. I felt pretty good about the way that things ran. Did you Um, like I I think I had everything. Did you bring did you do any props or anything like sometimes you have like sometimes like the bad guy sends a letter to the people or anything. Did you do any prop work? No, no, no. I, I drew drawings. I did personal drawings of all the super villains that were involved. So if everybody wanted to see them, I could hold them up and show them. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. So when you found out you were going to be running it, so you've, uh, you've got your adventure prepped and you've, you've contacted, you know, Lexicon in this case, and you've reserved your times and everything like that, then did, do you do any promotion or do you just kind of just go to the con and hope everyone signed up for it? Oh no. Um, First, first thing I did was, I, I, you know, I picked up an extra slot because they had somebody cancel. So, you know, always, always keep an eye on the cancellations, especially if you're running something that people are unfamiliar with. Right. And they're always like, oh, God, we got to fill this slot. And, you know, I kind of stepped up and I said, OK, I'll fill that slot. But can you give me a bump on your Facebook page? Say, hey, you know, this this guy's bringing something new. Kind of put it out there for him. Yeah. And I was surprised because, you know, after they did that, um, I got a few registrations and I was like, cool. So I already know that I'm running for people and it kind of got me more excited and involved in what I wanted to do and hopefully introduce people to and get them excited about as well. When, when you promoted you, it was, was it, did you just use social media? Did you go on there on the lexicon Facebook pages or 
Yeah, just social media, um, uh, friends on Discord, uh, word of mouth. Just just get it out there. Uh, that's the best advice that I can give. And, you know, I, I posted on the Lexicon page and tried to interact as best as I could with people interested in uh, playing or getting involved with what I was running. Did you run into any problems with the convention? With the convention? Yeah. No, not really. Um, you got kicked I, out I, of a table up, once. <laughs> the best thing I could say is show up not expecting much and then be grateful for, for what happens. Right. Okay. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to tell us about how you got thrown out of your table? <laughs> no, no, I'm not going into that story. I, I think I – Ryan, how long have you known me now? <laughs> long enough. So – the, the short version is just that you guys had to switch tables halfway through a game. That's yes, we had yeah halfway through a game. Um, you know, yeah, I had to switch tables, but the guy wasn't happy about the way I switched tables. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you folded up the table. Good time. Oh, there. Everyone come to Lexicon. <laughs> now, that wasn't, I don't think, that guy wasn't actually with the convention. He was with one of the other role playing game. So, do you, when you run a convention game, you're running for a, generally a group of complete strangers, typically. Yes. Um, yes. So, do you, do you have any safety considerations? You know, safety is kind of a big thing right now with, in, especially in convention games. Do you run with like an X card on the table or anything like that? Um, no, and it's it's one of those things where I kind of said, you know, let's go around and introduce yourselves. And I kind of ran in the way I did it with masks was people created their own superhero. They created their own personal identity. And, you know, uh, I had a couple people who were trans. I had a couple people who were gay. It was it was wonderful as far as the spectrum of people that I had sitting down at my table. It, it exposed a lot of people that, you know, were seem to be uncomfortable with each other at some point too. And what I did was I said, okay, here's, here's the way we're going to solve this. I took out pieces of paper and I made placards. And as everybody created and introduced their character, I wrote their character's name down. I wrote down their character's name. I wrote who they were. I wrote their um, secret identity if they had one. And I put it in front of that player. And I said, this is who they are. They're not the person behind the character. This is who they are. So if you want to talk to um, this person, you call, you know, one had the name Glitter Blair. I said, you call, you call her Glitter Blair. Right. Uh, this one is Shadow. This one's Owl. And I think, you know, I did the same thing with your game as well mm -hmm. that uh, you sat in on. The one thing and that I, I, th it, I think it knocked a lot of that preconceived tension out of the park because it puts you right into the game and not worried about who the player was and more concerned about who the PC was. I was also like kind of a side, you know, like a side effect of that was that I noticed that the table stayed in character a lot more as well. Because if I didn't know, like the, if Bob was sitting across from the table with me, I, if I didn't know Bob's real name, it was easier for me just to say, you know, hey, Super Bob. Or whatever yeah. his character's no. name was. And, and, just and, and I still remember those characters. I still remember a lot of the names of the characters. I can't put the faces to them, but I still remember the characters they created. Right. You had Shade. You had Nighthawk. Um, 
<laughs> all these black mold. Black mold. <laughs> black mold. That was me. That was me. Ew. I was black mold. You're so gross. <laughs> I no. You know what? When I sat down at the table, I asked. I asked Chris because this is the kind of the kind of player I am. Like I could play just about anything, and so I asked. Uh, you know what? What has no one played yet? What What have you not gotten to run for? And uh, the archetype that he hadn't gotten to run for yet was the, the is it the, the transformed transformed and so I was like the the hideous monster superhero. So you were like Mossman. I was yeah I was kind of like a Mossman. Right. Yeah, actually originally was just like call, calling the character like you know the mold, and Chris was like that's not superhero-y. He needs to have like a he needs to be a color mold, and then he was like black mold, and I was like that sounds tough. <laughs> you can never get him out of your house though. <laughs> <laughs> He's here to stay. Uh, Johnny Johnny Red was our fourth team member. Right. And you know, you, you just kind of remember those things when you jump right into character and not worrying about the player. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the players then and, and managing the, the table because it's it's not like you're running a game for the, the folks, you know, on Friday night. You don't know. I, you know, like in the we, we run currently we're running a LARP and we know who the what players are more difficult than others. Do you yes. like the way I said that? Yeah. <laughs> that was very PC of you. So, you know, you don't know that when you sit down with a bunch of strangers. Um, I mean, you know, our friend Rob sat down at the table. We knew he'd be a problem right away. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for the most part, you, you don't know what you're getting into. And I could say from the the, the game that I played, there were easier and more difficult players in my group. And so how do you manage that? How do you balance that when they're they're strangers and so you can't um, – it's more difficult to have a heart-to-heart, you know, hey, you're you're breaking our game here, you know, with somebody right. that's a stranger. Um, I, th- I think I dealt with um, most often the, the, the first session had eight players in it. And wow. it completely blew my mind. Uh, I, I, I was – not ready for that, but I think I, I compensated pretty well with getting everybody involved. But I had one or two like power gamers who always have to be at the center uh, of, the, of of everything going on, and it's you, you just got to ex, you know establish ground rules at the start, and without infringing on their character or, or shutting them down, and it's it's just a tricky balance, and I think it comes with experience. More than it does, you know, actually having any kind of game plan dealing with it because people deal with other people in different ways, you know. I think a lot of it, too, is just you need to make sure that the table always knows that you're in charge. Right, right. And you you can do that without being, for lack of a better term, a dickwad. You you, you can do it that way. I mean, when I storytell, I'm always a dickwad. No, that's true. But... Yes, you can do it without that. In fact, they call her D.W. Carey sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I go around spraying doors <laughs> so they don't squeak. Ladies and gentlemen, the legend, D.W. <laughs> so what? So is what kind of what kind of bad problem player types do you encounter when you run at a? Uh, a convention game because I would think that there are some types of, of 
we're, we're going to we're using the word bad players or problem players, but what we just mean is just there are players. Some types of players are more difficult than others. How about how, how about socially challenged? Is it, That's, <laughs> that could be one of them. Yes. <laughs> or it's a convention. Some of them might be shower oh, challenge. <laughs> I'm, we've all been to a convention. We know yeah. soap is not something they sell at conventions. Okay, I'm. This was my first like more board game convention than tabletop convention. Like, the, like, cause I, I mean, I've gone to Gen Con, which is just kind of gaming, but like Lexicon felt like it was way more board game. Than, Here it comes. She's going to call the board game people, the stinky kids. I'm, I'm j- it was weird. Cause I wasn't <laughs> expecting that, but it was, <laughs> it, it was there. I think that it just it doesn't matter what kind of game it is. Gamers like to stay up the whole night yeah, yeah. gaming their game and Well, you know. they're excited. They get to see people they haven't seen in a long time and talk you about their passions. Or meet new friends. I made yeah. so I met so many new people. Um, that you know, I got to add to Twitter and social media and stuff like that in regards to gaming. I would like to point out that you just added me three minutes before we started this podcast. <laughs> so I'm. <laughs> I, I personally don't like to add strangers. It, it just just one of those one of one of those I'm a stranger. You're a stranger to your podcast I, I don't together. Like to add strange women, considering I've been married to my Look, lovely I'm, wife for almost six. I will years. throw swords out of ponds at any time. I'm just saying, be careful. She's kind of a dickwad. <laughs> 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 So, so what kind of what kind of more difficult players do you encounter? Because uh, there are some types of, of problem players that you wouldn't encounter at a, I would think in in a one a single session game. You know, there are some sort of problems that take multiple sessions to sort of develop and, and happen. But what do you run into at a con game? Um, like I said, you, you got the one player who wants to be the center of attention. So, like an attention whore. Everything. Um, Sometimes you just get the player that's not interested. You know, they try to sign on for something, and about halfway through the game, they decide that they they're either on the fence or they don't like it. You know, and it's really no fault of your own. At least I like to believe that it's not <laughs> any fault of my own because I'm perfect and godlike in every sort of way when I'm running a game. Right. And it can't be me because you know I'm I'm awesome like that. Right. We had uh, one of the one of the people in the game that I played uh, was he wasn't really so much an attention person as he was like he kept wanting to do his own thing. Oh, he right. split the party. But he but he wasn't quite splitting the party. It was just just pursuing his own interests. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just enough to be just sort of like we felt like we were sort of like grabbing him by the collar and dragging him along. Come adventure yes. with us. What about what about good players? What sort of good good things do you see from players at con games? Um, you're going to encounter when when you got people that are coming to conventions and cons like that. You're going to be dealing with people who love it. You you don't go to a con or you don't go to a board game convention or you don't go to anything or drive miles or spend time for something that you you're not vested in. And those those players and those types of players are absolute blessings to have at the table. And I am proud to say that like 90 percent of the time I ran into those good players and it's don't don't let a con turn anybody off because, you know, 90 percent of the time you're going to run into people that are just as passionate, fun and enjoyable as you. 
What do you guys think makes a good convention one-shot player? I've always found, um, I I mean, I've never ran a tabletop game at a convention. But you've but I've, played. I've played and I've also ran LARP. And any player that is willing to roll with the story. Because there is nothing worse when you're like, here's the story of this haunted castle. And the player's like, I don't believe in ghosts. I'm not going, you know, and it's just like, you know, like because you don't have you you don't have a lot of time to run what you're trying to run to convince them to believe in ghosts to go into the haunted castle, right? Right. So you know, take your ass down to the non-haunted pub, and I'll I'll let you know when the game's over. Exactly. What 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 else? What do you what do you think is a a good a good sort of thing to do as a player at a con game? Uh, I'm I'm going to tell people to go to cons. Give it a chance to, you know, if, if you're thinking about going to a con or, you know, you're going to a con, that's your chance to, you're playing with people that you'll probably never see or run into again. That's your chance to try something different, do something different, or be something different than what you're usually running or doing. And it's, it's you know, you can see the people, you know, I had people that came back and every time they tried a different character archetype when they played. Right. They're like, well, I, I played this one first, but, you know, the first session I saw the guy that played this and I really want to try that character. Yeah. I think for me, I think what I like to see in a, a player at a con game is is a giving player. Um, yes. Like we had a we had a character in the, the game that I played that was um, his character was so he was clearly should have been our our party's leader, you know, and like, yes, and. Uh, the player was not our party's leader. And a lot of that, and to be fair, the the game included myself and my friend Rob, who are both very strong personalities. It doesn't take a lot for us to end up being it, being leaders in in games like this, you know. And um and we both and, and the thing was, and can I interrupt? The sure. thing was Rob was playing the playbook or the archetype of the anti-leader. Right. He, he was playing he was playing the character are the playbook known as the delinquent. So, but, you know, the problem with authority figures and stuff right. like that. So he immediately but, just tore him down. Well, th- you have to be careful too, though, because mm-hmm. uh, an anti-leader often is deferred to as a leader. Yep. Just because the less you want something, the more people want you to take it. Yep. <laughs> but, but there were a few, what I noticed from, from Rob and, and what I was trying to do as well, I hope I did it as well as, as Rob did, but like whenever there was a time for there to be a decision, we would immediately try to thrust that decision-making moment back on the character that that should have clearly been the leader, um, you know. And and maybe sometimes that meant we had to say like, "This is what I think we should do," you know, and set them up with like the I don't want to say like the the successful outcome because I don't want to be like all conceited about it, but like we would give him a a a, a good opportunity for like an answer that would um, that would serve serve the party. In a positive I, think, way. I think this was the same character that was playing the legacy, and he kept like using the call home to try, <laughs> try or, or, you know, talk with his mentor to try and figure out what to do next. And yeah. I, I believe on the third time, I put him on hold and made him listen to Girl from Ipanema before hanging up on him. <laughs> oh, but he was, but he was a wonderful player, though. Like, I yes, mean, he's a super yes. nice guy. You know, like sometimes, you know, we role play to play parts that. Uh, 
I mean, I, I don't know him outside of this game. So this is a general statement, not specifically directed at him. But like sometimes we, we role play to play parts that we aren't in real life. Yeah. And and so like I feel like as a as a player at a con game, like if I see a character that like clearly is supposed to be the leader, um, but maybe the, the player's not quite holding that role because, you know, there are other dominant personalities or, or whatever. Like, I feel like it's my job as a player and, and Rob, I know, felt that way to like hand those moments back to the player that it should be with, you know? Yeah. Sharing your moments. That, that's what makes a good player. Sharing the moment, not stealing it. Yeah, it's, just, I think that's a strong um, point for any player that, that strives to be a good player and a good, you know, table partner. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about about encounters. So, you know, uh, most games are kind of made up of, of encounters is sort of what we break them down into scenes, encounters um, in, in a con game. Like how how do you manage the number of count of encounters? Like you said that you ran you ran like three to four in your four yes. hour time. I had to balance the encounters based on how many heroes I had at the tape. OK. So, like, the more heroes you had, the less encounters you ran? Um, the more heroes that I had, the more powerful I made the villains. Okay. Because if I got eight people trying to beat down a supervillain, it's, it's, the villain's going to be a lot tougher than the four people trying to beat down the same supervillain. Right. He, he's got to take and, eight and hits. leave room for yeah. adjustment. Right. What, what kind of encounters would you say work the best in, in a, a short you know, I, I hate that we keep coming back to the fact mm. that like the biggest constraint of a con game is time, but it really is. Yeah. Right. Um, I, th- I think there needs to be the, and this is the way that I did it, and just my opinion. There had to be the first initial encounter that kind of whet their appetite to expect something bigger, and then the payoff encounter. Um, it, it, it was, you know, the introduction, the taste of what's going to happen and then finally the big payoff right um the, the adventure that you ran i believe it was the escort duty um no we had to get a uh, the computer chip from the bank vault yes the escort duty the okay. microchip from the vault to the uh, tower ironically were you even there no we didn't I had to run off the top of my head we actually didn't escort anything in that adventure the microchip you were escorting the microchip <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Look, he's the black mold. He yes. doesn't have to but, do anything. Shut up, dickwad. Yeah. I ran from the top of my head because I had so many players from a previous table come back. Okay. <laughs> so that was not the prepared adventure that you guys ran. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, that it went very smoothly. I mean, you basically, and it was super simple. You had uh, a setup where, like, you know, a, a, a guy hired our superhero team to do this thing. And then we had to go scout the thing we had to do. Then we started to do the thing we did. We were supposed to do, and that was where we encountered uh, some bad guys and had to fight them. And then the thing that we had to do was bring this computer chip back to the guy at the beginning. And so then we we brought it back to the guy at the beginning. And then there was another bad guy there that we had to fight. And then it was over. Right? Would you say that was pretty? Yeah, like I said, you know, uh, set up initial uh, initial wet your whistle encounter, and then like the main payoff. Yeah. Now, have you found because you've ran a lot of con games? It sounds like have you found a type of encounter or scenario that like really just doesn't work? <laughs> uh, that doesn't work. Yeah. 
Wow. Like, uh, like if you had somebody who was like, yeah, I'm running this, this session at Gen Con and I, I'm not sure what to run. Like, would you tell, is there one that you would be like, well, don't run this. <laughs> yeah. Don't run the unmentionables. How's that? <laughs> the unpermissibles, right? <laughs> That's a good call. These are, this is, these are good advices that you've given. <laughs> so, so how do you keep the group on schedule then? I mean, are you, you're checking your watch, I would think at least a little bit. Um, how do well, you make sure they're I moving? Sure. Like we had an hour break in between sessions and I made sure that I only took like maybe a half hour, 15, 20 minutes and I would have my stuff laid out prior. As soon as the game was over, I'd clean up, hand off any things that I wanted people to keep and I'd lay it, start laying out for the next session. And as people came up, if they were there early, I started prepping with them early. So you weren't wasting any of the actual table time with like setting up your DM screen and your paperwork and stuff. No, no, no. I, I, I was ready to go as soon as everybody sat down. Um, and like I said, when, when somebody shows up early and you get them through the character prep and then the next person and stuff like that, those two people that you set up early, they know how to do the prep. So they're now people that can assist you with getting the game moving as well yeah. since they've been through it earlier. Like I said, I will think I delegated once or twice to people who were there, you know, help him with this for me while I help him and that kind of thing when you were at my, you and Rob were at my table. Right. Doing the character creation. Cause I think uh, I had to help you two a little bit more and the other three kind of knew what they were doing. So I let them do what they were doing. Right. Right. Well, and I think that you're a little lucky too, and that the power by the apocalypse system has a pretty, a relatively quick character creation system. Well, it, it, relatively quick, but the backstory uh, can be in depth. Like it took us almost an hour with eight players at the table. Sure. Uh, with that first yeah. session. Right. But I remember making characters for advanced Dungeons and Dragons in which you would spend the entire first game session of six hours just making characters. <laughs> yeah. And I'd have to say, kill me now. Right. <laughs> just, Tobacco. Just so many charts. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that was back in what second edition. Yeah. Or, so, were you ever blindsided by a player? Like, wh- what do you do when somebody's like, "I'm going to do this," and like, of all of the possibilities that you had sort of planned for or prepared for, like, it just kind of just smacks you in the face. Like, holy crap! Believe it or not, it was it was pretty well. It was just a good – all of the sessions were good sessions. I didn't really run into that, and I only had to say no on two occasions. (laughs) I kind of – I mean sometimes you just have to say no, and it's okay to say no. Absolutely. If it's going to throw the story off. As a DM, DM, no is my favorite word. (laughs) I I think that – this is a whole other podcast, but I actually think think that players – like to be told no. They don't realize they like to be told no, but I think that parameters make players perform better. Right, be, uh, because it makes them have to work inside of something. If you give them free reign, they're going to take they're going to take it and they're going to run with it. And it's more challenging and rewarding when you're forced to think inside of a box. Right. Or to work your way around something than just being able to say I do this and it happens. <laughs> For the most part, you were running uh, the same, or at least you had prepped to run the same adventure five times over Lexicon, right? So- um, I, I prepped to run it uh, three times, <laughs> and then like one of them got thrown off the rails when I had like, you know, 
people start showing back up and I'm like, I can't run the same thing again because I want these people to, you know, love this game. Right. So can you talk a little bit about, about repeat plays? Because you've also, you also play tested the same game like seven times, you know, prior. So what is, first of all, what is that like to, to keep running the same scenario over and over again? It's a learning experience. Like, um, you know, if you have a favorite book or a favorite movie or something that you love and enjoy, um, every time you watch it or reread it or reinvest in it, you're always going to find something new. You're always going to say, huh, I never thought of this or I never thought of it going in this direction. And it's rewarding. You don't get bored with it. You get new insight with it. If you, if you're truly, you know, loving what you're doing. And what about for players who played? Because you said that you had players show up at, at several sessions. Um, did what do you do to sort of help you know repeat players? Like you know, you said that they made different characters each time they played it. Um, and that one time, because so many of them were repeats, you just kind of ran something off of your head. But um, what do you do to keep it fresh if you get a repeat player? I, I switched up the scenarios. Um, what happened was. You know, with one scenario, okay, there was an encounter at the pet store where they, you know, a monkey in a Russian Cossack hat was releasing pets into the mall and causing <laughs> a panic. But, you know, the second group that ran into them because like two people came back, um, this time they were in a supermarket and the monkey released a six foot chicken that was like using freeze powers in, you know, in the produce area. So- <laughs> So it's the exact same scenario structure. You just basically just reskinned it, kind of. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. You know, just like uh, you know, Call of Duty has been doing for a number of years in the video <laughs> game industry. <laughs> right, works for them. <laughs> That's cool. So now that you have been uh, you've been selected by by Magpie and are going to actually be sort of an official game runner for them. Uh, what's, what's that mean for your, your scenarios and what you run at Gen Con? Will they provide you with the adventure or do you, um, I have not heard anything back yet, but what I'm hoping is maybe whoever it is, they'll ask, you know, to see what I'm planning to run and we'll banter back and forth. But I have every intention of running what I ran at Lexicon and what I've been running for the past seven sessions. I have every intentions of running it. And who knows, they might send me an adventure and say, we'd like you to run this. And then we're going to sit down at the table and I'm going to shred that shit and run exactly what the hell I want. Because <laughs> there's, right now there's a guy at Magpie listening to this podcast going, oh my. Somebody, don't send him that DM equipment. Oh goodness. No t-shirt for him. <laughs> Magpie apparently they all talk like this. Oh. Right. <laughs> and I'm and I'm just of the opinion, well, you know, if I, if I get it out there that people are enjoying what I'm running and what I'm doing in the scenario ahead of me, right. why are they going to change something that seems to be working? Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, awesome. Well, I, I guess then uh, that sort of brings us to game wrap. So we're going to go ahead and drop out of combat rounds. Okay, let's do game wrap. Uh, first up, Chris, do you have anything you want to tell everybody at home? You want to pitch your, your podcast one more time and let us know maybe when it's coming? 
Uh, like I said, maybe here in the next uh, 60 days or so, it's going to be called uh, Corpses and Curios, GURPS Horror, a uh, mix of 3rd and 4th edition. Um, hopefully, Steve Jackson Games will uh, share it like they uh, one of the people promised that they would. Uh, like, like I said, they're trying to reboot their roleplay system. Uh, I can be found online at Twitter, at Polish underscore Ogre. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. Wait, is that racist? Because ogres could be offended by that. Only the Polish ones. <laughs> well, I, we're really glad that you were able to to hang out with us tonight, even if it was over video chat. Yes. Oh, at any any time. You, if, if you need a third wheel, um, I'm, I'm there for you. Things arise. That's awesome. Because you know I'm I'm all about talking about anything geeky and nerdy and role play. Cool. That's, well, we'd love to have you back on. Maybe once your podcast is going or something, we could do. We'll do an episode about doing uh, about live play podcasts, actual play podcasts. Yeah. Well, and, no, and, you know what? I think that that's an important topic. You know, Dungeons. As I'm reminded almost every single day by Ashley Rayburn, <laughs> it, it's live huge now. Live play podcasts have single handedly resurrected and saved Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, I know, but it still doesn't make me like them. <laughs> I don't get them. I don't get them. That's they just, just make me sad because I want to play. But I'm fascinated by them. So maybe we could talk about what it's like to, to assemble that and the challenges with that because that's because that's pretty cool. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we can be found at honorrollpodcast.com. You can get our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, most other places that podcasts <laughs> hang out. Uh, you can find us on facebook.com slash groups slash podcast. You can email us at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. Uh, hopefully we're going to have a Patreon coming soon. Super soon. That's right. Uh, Chris, you're going to get 54 experience points tonight. for uh, Well, 50 of those is for running an awesome game at, at Lexicon, and four of them is for coming up with uh, Carrie's new nickname. Dickwad. <laughs> Dickwad. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get uh, uh, 5 XP for attendance and... <laughs> And you get 19 XP for your fancy new hair color that's very pretty. Thank you. Uh, Jason does not get any experience points. In fact, uh, he's <laughs> actually being docked a level oh, for no. not being here. Sorry to hear that. Doesn't that put him at like zero? It does. Join okay. us next week when we explore the international humanitarian non-governmental live-action role-playing organization called LARPers Without Boffers. Until then, <laughs> remember that the only way to win an RPG is to have fun. All the thoughts and opinions that were on this podcast belong to just those folks who were on this podcast and to nobody else. All of the music was courtesy of Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com.